Hi everyone, welcome back to Fintech Underground by Alpaca, the podcast devoted to stock trading API. From algorithmic trading to connecting apps to building out services, Alpaca is built for developers and traders. In each episode, we explore a different area within fintech. In today's episode, we're super excited to welcome Martin Salk, CEO and co-founder of Lightyear, a new investing app whose goal is to give all of Europe access to the world's markets without hidden fees. As usual, Yoshi, CEO and co-founder of Alpaca, is our host. So let's jump right in. Hey, Martin. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you very much for coming to our podcast, Fintech Underground. Uh, you know, we've been chatting, we've known for a while and, uh, you know, it's been a pretty exciting journey. And, uh, you know, firstly, congratulations for the announcement of the fundraising app. Thank you. It's pretty exciting right now. We literally launched our product yesterday and announced our latest fundraising. So we have raised 10 million to fund our journey. That's pretty nice. Dude, that's like you know, a huge, huge milestone. And uh, there are more exciting journey ahead. But firstly, do you want to have a quick introduction about, uh, you know, Lightyear and the, your, what your app does? We're doing really simple thing. And uh, the thing is that uh, at one day we started like thinking with my partner that it's incredibly weird how the investment market is so broken in Europe. And uh, the more we start looking into it, we found that there is not only us, but there's lots more people. And then at one point we realized it's 500 million people in Europe who doesn't have a good investment product. So what Lightyear does, this is it. We're fixing that. Great. And, uh, you know, uh, also like looking at your, of course, like, you know, LinkedIn profile and everyone notices that you are super high profile, super successful from the uh, previous uh, positions at the TransferWise. But do you want to have a quick introduction about how you got to this journey after experiencing several fintech companies? Yeah, we, me and my co-founder, Mikael, we both worked in TransferWise. Uh, I was running in you know, a product operations, people teams, like, what you do when you're in the early startup days. And Mikkel was the mastermind behind how the tech comes together. But we both have been kind of passionate about like, how do you use technology to make uh, uh, not only investments, but like finance in general better. So what we have seen is that people don't really understand how tech can help them. And like you have the big bank, what they usually take is the, they take the current offline servicing process and digitalize it and doesn't really make sense like computers should be kind of driving the cost like ridiculously down it doesn't need to consider this kind of offline processes at all and i think transferwise did that really well so we took one simple thing how do you send money from one country to another but turned out it's not it wasn't so simple it's like legacy systems everywhere you need to connect all to the different banking system in different countries need to understand the customer and expand but we did well like we TransferWise is now listed from, I think, last month. They listed. I have grown into a massive company. I was able to solve the customer problem. So we, we're coming from that background. And we, when we start looking around, like, what's the next thing? Weirdly enough, like, we both have been investing, like, more than 10 years. Every time you do it yourself, it's a little bit cringe because it's expensive. You don't have access to the good instruments. Like, you need to cobble together all the different bits and pieces of information from various products to actually make the decisions. And like, if you, if somebody came to me and said, where should I go to make my investments? Then like, I'm sorry, I don't know. <laughs> like there, there's no good product out there. There are some products like what you can use, but, but in the end, like none of them actually works for everybody in Europe. So that's why we start looking into that. Like what's the basis for that? And uh, we found out that there are basically three, three things. What needs to be fixing is like getting access and access in a wise that 
can you in you know, all the countries can access this product and can you access their global markets can you do that in a in a really good cost wise and uh, the third part maybe is maybe the hardest because it's less well defined and well less done in a world is how do you make investment decisions when you're just getting started like how do you know what's your risk level what's this market what are these instruments how do you know what to buy and when you are a little bit more kind of experienced in the market then how do you get all this information so you can make educated decisions so this is what we're building here it's interesting that like you know people of course like you know look at the definitely success of the robin hood and then like you know in the us we see uh you know companies like uh you know webull and uh, you know public and uh you know many uh startup uh you know fintech trading apps coming up but i think like you know in europe uh like what where did you see the opportunity compared to compared to like, you know, how, what's happening in the US, like, you know, did you do the research, like, you know, what's happening in the US and like, you know, trying to apply that in Europe or like, you know, your head was a little bit different, like coming from the uh, transfer wise and looking at always like global mindset. So US is 20 years ahead of Europe. Um, like so much has happened in an infrastructure way, uh, the way how people kind of like do the investments, how they understand it and all that stuff. In Europe, we are just learning that. And I think the thing what differentiates Europe from the US is that they are like similar sounding like US and Europe, but like actually Europe is many countries and uh, we have seen the US companies coming here. It's like, hey, let's capture this market. Like it's actually bigger market than US, 500 million people. But you come in and you see like, oh, there is every country has their own regulator. And uh, then, then you have these weird currencies like pounds and euros and Hungarian foreign and whatnot in a way. Then you have every country invests differently. Uh, maybe even the UK people look towards uh, kind of single stocks and whatnot, but also German ones look into different kind of setup, maybe ETFs and whatnot. So like it comes down to the, this kind of fragmentation and can you understand how do you build, you need to build a global product, but in every single country. So basically we are doing something similar what TransferWays did is that you build a space platform, you give this access, and now you're going to go country by country to build a good solution what these people in that country need. Hmm, wow. Like, I mean, like, I think how TransferWise did and like that's getting transferred into Lightyear is really interesting. And, you know, you because you are not the only head of the product, like you actually run like, you know, operations and you also run like, you know, uh, like, you know, hiring and the people side too, right? So you kind of built like, you know, a lot of a uh, foundation of the company itself. So that's super interesting to see that, like, you know, all the challenges that, you know, you would face as trying to expand uh, fully into the Europe. What is that, like, you know, always, like, you know, thinking about, like, what is the importance, the most important point when you're, like, you know, trying to expand into the Europe? Like, you know, you mentioned the several things, like, you know, different regulators, different currencies. What is that, like, you know, core thing that you always think about uh, when you, you know, when, when you can think about, like, you know, one thing? I think you can split that into two different parts. One is a so-called technical view. Like, are you able to reach your app or technical solution in that country? Can you do the regulatory view, tax reporting and whatnot? And all these are like a technical view because they're done somewhere and you need to do it better and in that particular country and like repeat that many times. Um, and takes time, effort, often it's really, really hard to do. But the second thing is a little bit more tricky um like in transfer in the same way that how do you know what these people in that particular country want and like i have to say like 
I can barely speak English. I watch US movies. I have been in the US for a while. I think I know how US is. And then we launched TransferWise seven times in the US and we still didn't figure it out because like, it's not that you're seeing this uh, other country and you understand what's going on, but you actually need to be there and you need to be a local in a way. So, but that's true for every country in Europe. Like it's even more sometimes because a lot of people don't speak like local languages and whatnot. So how do you really understand how they want to make decisions? What's their incentive? What's their risk and fear? How to create the trust? So we did something really cool uh, in TransferWorks. We hired all the foreigners in all the different offices. Like you had uh, like 30% of the company was not from the locals. They were like Germans, French, uh, UK people, Americans, whatnot. And every time you build a product, then like these people can like raise standards and say, hey, this is ridiculous. This doesn't make sense. Like, uh, yeah, maybe in Europe or maybe in Estonia where we have one office, you can ask like a personal ID code and this is totally normal thing to do to log in. You go to the US and you ask these numbers, they're like, oh no, like it doesn't, like it's not the comfortable thing to do. So like, how do you realize what makes sense and what doesn't? And that's the tricky part. So acquiring this knowledge, you need to have like feet on the ground uh, on that particular country. That is a much more complicated than like you know, distributing the U.S. right because like you know in the U.S. it's not like you know California people and the Texas people and the New York people want different apps. It's you know they all speak English. Of course, there's some difference, but like you know in Europe, it's like you're right. It's a different languages and the different type of the investment appetite because like looking at the uh, what is that a percentage of the household income going into the investment? I think the U.S. is like uh, you know almost like what forty percent uh, to the fifty percent. Like, you know, I, I do a lot of research to Japan, like, you know, because I'm from Japan, like it's only 10%. And I, I remember like, you know, Europe, it was like, what, 20% or 25%, something like that. It's all different from the, each country as well. Exactly. I think it kind of averages like a little bit below 20 or something like that. But like, it depends on the country again. Uh, and like a lot of countries you have, you have basically no access to any good investment markets and like doesn't, doesn't really make sense to invest. So like, there's no incentive for many people. What we have seen is that even like looking at some of our competitors is that in some markets, like the situation is so dire that like, however bad is your product, you're going to grow there. Mm. Uh, so that's the difference. Mm. Got it. Got it. And, uh, you know, uh, specifically, uh, you know, which countries, uh, you know, you decided to focus on at the very, very beginning. So we started from the UK, like UK is probably one of the most mature markets in that way, but still it's the uh, biggest English speaking country. Uh, we have quite a bit of experience working with the, in the UK because of the transfer uh, view. And there's a lot of kind of good expertise in like how do you build investments, how do you do regulatory stuff and so on. So it's a really good place to get started. The problem is Brexit. Brexit means that <laughs> uh, we need to do a multiple different licenses to go to the Europe, but it's, it's good. Like we can start building our product and like work in a regulatory view in parallel. So we launched yesterday in the UK. Uh, and Congratulations, by the way. Big congrats. Thank you. And like, thanks for helping us. And, uh, and launching uh, Europe in the uh, beginning of next year. Oh, wow. Wow. So like, you know, when you say Europe, it's like you know, now you're going almost full coverage to the Europe now. Next. Yeah. So not 100% coverage, but we are trying to get into as many countries as possible on the first go and then starting iterating the product. Like the main point is that every country is a little bit different. And it's like, how do you figure out like all this kind of uh, weirdness, uh, what people need and whatnot. But it, you have to launch where you have a MVP product and you can start learning from the customers and, uh, and that's going to make your product better in the end. 
Definitely. Like, so like, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, your experience of the transfer wise, and then like, you know, your kind of step-by-step approach into the Europe, like, how do you see that like, you know, investment app landscape, which is of course the future of the uh, light year look like, like, you know, like do you already have the grand vision of how it should be, or you're kind of iterating as you figure out each of the, you know, country, what they want. You're asking how the light year is going to be or how the landscape is right now? Well, I, I think like, you know, how Lightyear should be like, I believe that, you know, you believe that Lightyear will be the major majority app that's yeah. going to, you know, take like, you know, most of the people in Europe and, you know, how it would look like as the end game. Yeah. So I think what we, we, we're coming from the kind of customer view first and we try to figure out what's true for a customer and you have, we separate like these three bigger groups of customers. Like first group is like, I don't know how to invest. So if you look into like all the people in Europe, then like most of them are not investing. It's like, how do you make this first step? How do you figure out that uh, this is a trusted place? You can be comfortable on the decisions and so on. So you understand it's a long-term view. The second group is more people who know what they're doing, but they need more information to make educated uh, decisions. They want to have a good partner to research the market, make uh, and, uh, and then invest into that. And the third group is more a kind of professional people who need specific tools, like maybe margins and business accounts and whatnot. So we looked at these three groups and we see that there are quite a bit of different products, but we started from the concept that all of these groups need access to the world markets and need uh, access in their country. So we're starting from this basic infrastructure. How do we get everybody on uh, access to all the markets and give them that in a reasonable cost? So this is true for everybody. And from there on, um, you have a little bit different products. You have products that help you to make the first step or give you more data and or give you more features in a way, because these people might be quite a bit different from each other. It doesn't really make sense to merge everybody into one app. So we're going like group by group, kinda, um, like a little bit country by country, but also customer by customer, what they're gonna do. So I think that's the difference between the Europe and US is that US in many ways has this infrastructure already. And like people can, like you mentioned, there's like loads of different solutions where you can go and onboard yourself. Uh, Europe largely misses. Like there are some smaller, um, like most people bank or invest through the bank at the moment. Uh, there are some uh, smaller startups who are doing actually like awesome job. Like it's like finally time to re- like innovate a little bit on that market, but everybody's stuck in their own country. They are focusing solely on, on a kind of arms length basis. But I think investing is a volume business. You need to service everybody. So, um, you know, you, of course, uh, you know, you're from uh, Estonia. And yep. And then, like, you know, you mentioned pretty interesting thing about, like, you know, each of the app, probably, like, you're thinking about, like, Trade Republic focusing on Germany, and, like, you know, free trade has been, you know, mainly focusing on the UK, and, uh, you know, one in, you know, Spain as well. So what made you think differently that, like, you know, okay, this has to be, like, you know, Europe, spread out your Europe, like, you know, everywhere, instead of, like, oh, I'm going to focus on UK, I'm going to focus on Estonia. Is that, like, you know, coming from your background or, like, you know, what made you different from, uh, compared to other, other apps and other founders? I've been working in the UK for a while, so it means that UK kind of makes sense. Like, today I'm living somewhere between Tallinn and London because we have offices in both countries. To answer your question really, really directly, Estonians are in a, in a good place for a global expansion because there's no kind of point to make a product in Estonia there's no not many people there so like if you want to actually scale your product you need to go global and I've 
in many ways it's an advantage like you need to go and learn the other con- like what other countries need and want and how do you offer the product there otherwise like you have this snazzy you know, boutique here you can offer the service but like in this kind of scale it can't come down in the price wise you, you like you can't hire a big team to offer a good product and whatnot so you have to go out so it's in 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 our nature in a way but also transferwise experience transferwise was inherently the product that has to be in multiple countries because you're sending money from one country to another and this is this is what you do interesting because uh you know i think like me coming from outside the us really made me realize the importance of uh making it international from the very very beginning so like and i i i kind of hear what you're saying as like you know uh being from the estonia and i think we <laughs> at the beginning like we chatted about kind of similarity between the uh, estonians and japanese <laughs> like you know like you know like you're not showing too much emotion right like i think and like you know kind of staying the distance and doing the social distance as the yeah. kind of organic like you know <laughs> like in our daily life because of who we are <laughs> Yeah, exactly. There's a joke that in Corona's time, when the um, restrictions came in, that you had to be two meters away from the people. And uh, then when this ended, everybody was so happy in Estonia that they could, can go back to that, that typical five meter what they usually have. <laughs> wow, wow, that's two two meter to five meter. That's a very big difference. Like, I need I need to think about the Japanese version of that joke. Like, you know, how we should be like two meter to I don't know three or like the you know, five or six meter. <laughs> But like, you know, so I think like, you know, going back to the, uh, you know, your people side and like, you know, the office between the, uh, you know, the UK and the Estonia, if you don't mind, like, you know, how many people are you now? Yeah, we have 14 people right now, roughly split between two countries. Wow. So like, you know, it seems to be like growing super fast because like, I remember like, you know, I'm talking with you and back in time, it was like, you know, uh, only two people and (laughs) like, you know, it's 14 people. So, um. How are you thinking about like you know expansion? Uh, you f- focus on like you know growing the UK office and the uh, Estonia office, or now like you know, you're ready to kind of growing in different places? And like you know, how are you also thinking about working remote and working in the office setting? Lots of questions. Um, first, like we're trying to hire the kind of generally appro- like approximate radius around these two offices, uh, and like both countries have their kind of good sides and bad sides, and like. In the UK, you're going to have like lots of expertise in the kind of financial investment world and whatnot. In, in Estonia, you have a lot of fintechs, um, like TransRoys has the biggest office there, like a lot of operational people, uh, a lot of people who can handle the volumes and whatnot. So like we're trying to figure out like who's where and like generally don't mind too much where the people will join. Working remote versus in office. I think everybody right now works in office for us, uh, but like I think it's it's not uh, not a typical office. It's more this kind of flex view that you you can work anywhere if you want. You can take a week remote anywhere. You can travel between the offices. We 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 got started during the peak COVID means that like for half of the people or more than half of the people were hired through the Zoom, so we didn't actually physically see these people. So it kind of creates this situation where everything what you do can't be bounded in one office or in one room it has to go to like slack zooms information has to flow you need to get make an effort to know these people who you are working with and if you are working like that then it doesn't really matter where you are so that said i don't 
believe like full remote work uh, because we're moving incredibly fast. We need to make a lot of decisions. Like you want to be in a position where you can take a whiteboard and like try to scheme something out and then go and execute that. So a lot of people enjoy coming to the office actually and like working together because it's kind of creates this good feeling that there's one group of people challenging this big market. And uh, but we'll see. Um, I think we're going to continue in a similar way uh, because you're doing global business. You have to be everywhere. That kind of means that you have to be online most of the time. Right. And, the, you know, since you have also experience running the uh, people side of the, you know, transfer wise, like, you know, you already know how to scale in a different places and like you know, what you want to be really careful about. Yeah. So I think what's important is that people have to realize that you need to make an, if you're working online, you have to make an effort to know the other person and you need to be able to respect their culture. Like bringing Japanese, Estonian and uh, US person into one room, like they think a little bit differently, act a little bit differently and whatnot. So in that sense, if you put that behind the screen, like it's sometimes a little bit hard to understand, like what's the emotion behind that. So making that effort, trying to understand and respect everybody's culture, that kind of like makes uh, makes the environment where everybody can be happy or understand that it's sometimes when Estonian uh, answers like really directly, then it doesn't mean that they're mad because it's just that's the way they're doing it. So we're putting a lot of focus on uh, on uh, that everybody understands what they're doing. Everybody has their own kind of responsibility areas and they communicate outwards. So when you are in a small office and everybody's here, then you can have ad hoc communication. But if you're remote, you have to push information in. You have to make an effort that other people understand what they're doing. And if you see that they are not 100% clear, then it's your job to go in and explain that. It's not that, oh, I did my part and now like everybody needs to understand that. So I think like a lot of everything essentially comes down to the communication and understanding other people. Yeah, like you know, that's super well said. Uh, you know, that's something that I think about the most right now because uh, my personal company OKR for my personal one is to hire head of the head of the people. <laughs> so, like you nice. know, I, I'm dealing with exactly the same thing. Like, how can we make the communication smooth over the remote environment? And like you know, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, information has to be always pushed instead of uh, kind of overheard something or pull. So that that really does change the dynamics of the uh, communication among the teams. I would also add, like, it's a massive topic. We can talk hours about it. But if you, another kind of dynamic in a remote environment is that uh, people have to be able to make decisions. If they're not able to make decisions, then they need to wait a day when the other guy wakes up somewhere and, like, responds. So if they're able to make decisions, then you can start moving quickly. That means you need to trust people to make them decisions. You need to give them a power and like confidence that they can do that. So in that sense, it's a little bit different dynamic to the typical like top down, like I'm going to tell other people what to do, but people need to do their own stuff and move quickly. Well, I think like, you know, when this app launch fiascos, uh, you know, kind of settled a little bit, I need to book like you know, some time of yours and get some advice on the <laughs> you know, remote team running. <laughs> I have so much happy, to learn Happy from to you. do that. <laughs> just give me a yeah, call uh, and let's see yeah yeah and uh going back to the app so like you, know, you uh, talked about the uh you know europe and like you know kind of conquering the europe like you know how are you thinking about the uh more of the global market like in different regions like africa middle east asia uh you know of course and the uh in the united states we don't pay any attention to that at the moment because 
it's always tempting to go after big markets, but we started this business because European market is broken and like this is the sort of, like the thing what we need to fix at the moment. And it's gonna take time. Like it's like we have our first MVP out there. Like like you I wanted that app to develop so much further before I'm actually happy that everybody can use this in a really confident manner. So I think we're gonna focus like next five whatever years in Europe and and solving that country by country. That makes sense. And like looking at how, you know, Robinhood, of course, like, you know, tried at the beginning, you know, China expansion and I think Australia and of course, like most recently UK and pulled off and, you know, it's been taking, I don't know, 10 years, I would say to even get out from the US. So that makes sense of what you're thinking. But it's scary market. Like it's, you have to make a business decision. If you're looking around you, like you're in the US, US is a big market and like you need to win your own market. But also like when you have Brazil and China and whatnot, they're like big market. Now you come to this like fragmented European weirdness and like, how do you make your business make sense here? So in many cases, people are like, hey, makes sense to go to Brazil because there are like lots of people similar kind of set up and like you can go easily to the business and like people avoid Europe because of that. But somebody needs to solve this here as well. So I think this is us. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And, uh, you know, wrapping up our conversation, uh, you know, I always ask this one question, but considering that, you know, this, uh, I think you mentioned about two things, right? Like, you know, technical challenge of, uh, you know, regulation and of course, like, you know, building on top of that. And the second piece is, of course, about, you know, demands from the each of the country. And, you know, as we've experienced together, you know, the, a lot of compliance in the regulatory license stack, um, like, you know, you've been dealing with this, a uh, lot of uh, financial services related restrictions and uh, how to navigate through those things. So I always think about like, you know, FinTech is much more complicated because like you have to think about in addition to what the people want, you have to think about how we actually build it based on this regulation. So is FinTech worth it to be in? That is a question. <laughs> Depends largely who's the person. Like I think everybody in Lightyear are excited about Excel, excited about uh, kind of complicated solutions and whatnot. Then if you take these people, then these people are excited about solving the regulatory problems, solving the kind of financial problems. And then this is 100% perfect. If you like, but there's a lot of people who enjoy something different. Um, it, it's not the easy place to be. Uh, it's many ways you are more a compliance product than investment product because you need to navigate that land in such a, in, on such detail and uh, you have to have a constant dialogue with the regulator, like how do you make it happen? So it's totally different beast. It's like, it is hard, uh, but in the end, I think finance makes so much difference in people's lives. So in the end, Today, like my fear is that people go through their lives and don't invest at all. So they don't have exposure to global economy. So in, in the end days, like it's going to be difficult because you don't have that wealth. You can support a normal life in a way. So this is what I want to solve. And like we can talk about like investing in, in, uh, in a kind of short termist view, but like I think people should invest like a long termist view globally, uh, minimize the risk and actually have that exposure. This is the way where we can uh, improve people's lives. And that's a hard job, a hard job in a regulatory view, a technical view, convincing people that it makes sense. But in the end, it's definitely worth it because you're helping other people. Yeah, no, that's that's a super, um, you know, great word and 120% agreed on that, like how important this is for you know a lot of people's lives. So 
you know, I'm super excited to be, you know, working with you and, uh, you know, uh, uh, very excited and the congratulations again for your launch and, uh, you know, fundraise update. Thank you very much Thank for coming to the, our podcast, Martin. Thank you for this. Thank you, Ashi. Thank you for joining us today on this episode of FinTech Underground by Alpaca. As always, check out all of our past episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other major streaming platforms.